Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 467. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. This week, I have a great recording from our IG Live last week with a member of the Blueprint Live online team. Of course, I'm speaking about Pooja, and we have a great conversation. We have great guests come on and ask questions that we answer. And if you don't come every Friday, almost every Friday, at 11 a.m. Eastern on IG Live, and now TikTok Live as well, I go live on both, Uh, You're missing out on some great conversations, some great questions, and hopefully equally good answers. Before we jump into our episode, I mentioned Pooja is from the Blueprint Live online team. If you are in the market for an MCAT course to help you with your MCAT prep, then go check out Blueprint Live online. It's not just a course. It is 16 live sessions with amazing instructors from the Blueprint team instructors who have proven their own academic ability, but also proven that they can teach you the material. And during these 16 sessions, which you can retake as many times as you need, if there's a subject that you're just really sticking with, you can change instructors if there's an instructor that you drive more with. But during these sessions, they are helping you integrate the knowledge that you're learning from all the other amazing Blueprint resources into the MCAT. You're not just regurgitating information and learning more information. In these sessions, you're learning how to integrate that information to take the MCAT a better way. Go check them out, blueprintmcat.com. Sign up for a free account today. Let's go ahead and jump in to our IG Live. What's up, Instagram Live and TikTok? It is Friday. It is time for Q&A. And I'm going to be hanging out with one of our friends from Blueprint MCAT today. So... Uh, how's everyone doing? If you're new here, this is Friday Q&A. Uh, I'll be here for an hour. 
answering your questions. And the first Friday of every month, I get to hang out with one of the amazing members of the Blueprint Live Online Instructor Crew. So I'll wait for them to uh, come live with me. Good morning, VCAT. Hello. Hello, hello, Jasmine. Yep, it's Chase. Chase is on the case. What's going on, Vanessa? Uh, so this is your time. This is your Q&A. Uh, this is your time to come on, ask questions. If you want to request to come on live with me, I'm on both Instagram Live and TikTok. Uh, I'll be taking people. I guess I can take people on uh, on uh, TikTok as well. Hello, Adrian. Hello, friend. Cat lady. What's going on? Uh, I'm just waiting for the TikTok crew to request to come on with me. Let's see if I got an email saying they couldn't come on for some reason. Uh, but if you want to request to come on live with me and ask some questions, you can do so by just clicking that little camera button. Come on, ask your questions. It's just me and you. No one else is watching. Any MMI advice? Uh, the MMI advice is it's fun. It is fun, and uh, you should you should just have fun with it. Uh, do you recommend we meet with a financial advisor before applying? I don't think you need to meet with a financial advisor before applying. I don't think it's necessary. Hello, Pooja. Hi, Ryan. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. I'm excited to have you hang out with us for our Friday morning Q&A. Yeah, um, me too. I will say I'm a huge fan. I used a <laughs> lot of your stuff, but I was crafting my own applications and preparing for interviews. So nice. this is full circle for me. Nice. Now now you are one of us uh, getting getting to hang out with us. Um, for, for people watching, where in the process are you? Yeah, so I completed my secondaries over the summer, submitted my applications in May, and I'm currently in the interview stage. So getting some invites, doing some interviews, but a whole lot of waiting. (laughs) A whole lot of waiting during this time. Uh, You're a member of the Blueprint instructor crew, so you obviously crushed your MCAT well enough for Blueprint to go, hey, come out and hang out with us. What (laughs) What is your biggest tip for doing well on the MCAT? Yeah, I would say for one thing, make sure you take care of yourself during the process, right? I think that's something that a lot of people will neglect, right? Make sure you're doing the things that continue to make you happy and take care of yourself. Because if you're super stressed and you're not sleeping well, you're not going to be able to perform well and practice tests anyway. So you're sort of just hurting yourself. A thousand percent. Self-care is so important. Um, taking care of yourself, both uh, mental health, physical health, eating, sleeping, uh, hydrating, all all of the good stuffs. Uh, it's it's interesting. I think there's like there's there's some studies, and I, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head, but some level of dehydration like decreases your cognitive abilities like a bunch. It's like you gotta stay hydrated, people. Drink that water. But all right, well, for everyone watching, Pooja uh, again here from Blueprint MCAT. Uh, we're here to answer your questions. Uh, Pooja obviously going through the application process right now so she can kind of give you the the nitty-gritty of what it's like to go through this process right now um she's obviously an mcat expert having crushed her mcat uh so we're just here to answer your questions just me vibing on tiktok says best advice for virtual one-way interview have you had to do any of those this cycle 
Um, yeah, I have had to do one of those. And I think that the biggest thing is just making sure that you're continuing to stay like your positive, natural self. Like don't get freaked out by limited responses that you get from other people. Um, I remember during one of my interviews, my interviewer had technical difficulties, so I couldn't see their camera. Mm. So I was sort of talking into the void. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think they ended up liking it. Like they had good feedback for me, but I definitely think that, you know, not getting bogged down by any of that is going to be super important and keeping your cool. Yeah. What What about the like asynchronous type interviews where you're just talking to a blank screen? Did you have to do any of that? No, not yeah. yet, fortunately, but I am, I am prepared for it if it happens. <laughs> yeah. So the, the biggest advice that I would give you, uh, just me vibing, uh, is if you can, right, talking to a camera, I, I'm so used to it now. Like I can look at the camera and pretend there's someone behind it I, for all the YouTube videos and everything. You just kind of get used to talking to a camera. For most people, it's very awkward. Right. Especially for the one way interviews, I would recommend talking to the camera for one on one interviews where you're actually talking to someone. I actually don't recommend looking at the camera because then you don't look at their face. You can't see their facial expressions and their micro expressions and how they're reacting to what you're saying and what their body language is. So if you're with someone, I don't recommend looking at the camera for the one way interviews, the asynchronous interviews. I recommend looking at the camera. And if you can, what you can do is either put a post-it note around it or like cut out a circle, depending on what kind of webcam you have, cut out a circle in a post-it note and, and either draw a face or put your like best friend's name there um, or just take a picture, right? Take someone's picture and put it as close to the camera as you can so that there's a face there that you're talking to. And and if, if I can look right below my camera here on, on Instagram, uh, it kind of looks like I'm looking at the camera, but I'm not looking at the camera. I'm looking right below it. And so you can kind of get away with that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So that's that's the advice there. Uh, again, if you want to come on live and ask questions, that is the best way to spend this hour with us. Um, it's so much more fun than just reading questions and, uh, and answering them. Uh, but there are a couple here, so... I will ask, uh, or I'll answer some of these. Ashley asks, which medical schools consider nursing experience valuable? There's there's no database out there that, that shows that. Nursing experience is valuable uh, across the board. So great job. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I feel like any clinical experience you have and yeah. being a nurse is so, so valuable in terms of clinical experience. Yeah. What kind of I clinical experience did you have? Against that. What kind of uh, clinical experience did you have? Yeah. So I was a clinical intern, um, at a hospital. So I like ran screening assessments with the nurse practitioner and it was a really cool experience because I was able to do a little bit more than, um, other people that I know was able to do, but I was really lucky to have that experience. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Chris 10 Mac on TikTok says, is there any advice for early assurance applications? So Chris, are you talking about like early decision or are you talking about like uh, you're a freshman and you apply to a a specific program that accelerates your, um, your process? Let me know which, which one you're talking about. All right. Let's bring on some people here on Instagram. Hello. Hello. See if they join. Hello, hello. 
Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Doing all right. So I've been following you for quite some time now, <laughs> and I actually got my first couple of uh, DO acceptances Woo-hoo! this past uh, couple weeks, which was kind of, you know, where really I wasn't expecting to get two in one day. So I was kind of surprised. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but still waiting to hear back from some MD schools that interviewed and put on some old status really early on in the cycle, which is normal. How does one go about sending a proper LOI, letter of intent? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any experience with that, Pooja? Have you have you sent any letters of intent or update letters or anything to schools? Yeah. So I haven't sent any yet, but I have drafts ready for when the time comes, <laughs> according to my applications, right? Um, and I think making it very clear, you know, what you've been up to since applying, right? Showing that you're continuing to improve upon yourself in any way that you can and making it clear why you're a good fit for that school by showing them, right? Don't just tell them like, I would be great here, right? Demonstrate the qualities that you have that that school, you know, values, right? Some schools are more research intensive. Some schools are more primary care intensive. And so being able to be mindful of that when you're drafting that letter will be really important. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Getting, getting as specific as possible is, is the best thing. It helps that you already have acceptances. So it's less of a a desperation plea and more of like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I got options. Like I'm cool. Uh, But I was (laughs) sure I would love to hang out with you guys for the next four years. Um, So, so there's, there's that aspect of it. Cause a lot of students will just out of desperation, just be like, please, please, please take me. Uh, But what you're saying is, look, I have other acceptances, but here's why I really want to come to your school. And, and that, potentially will will help them go, okay, you're a sure bet when we put you down as coming to our school, because it's a game that medical schools have to play. The admissions offices have to play of, I, I don't want to oversubscribe. I don't want to undersubscribe my class. We, we need to have, if we have 200 seats, we need 200 students um, because we, we can't have less because we need to fill all the rotations because the hospitals are expecting those bodies uh, and we can't have more because we don't have enough seats for everyone. So it's, it's just a game that everyone plays. Yeah. So should you mention that you have other acceptances? Yes, I would. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I would also say that don't, be afraid to name drop. If there's a specific like professor or program that you're interested in, put that in there. Show them that you have vested interests and that you care enough about their school to put the effort into like looking into what specific things they have to offer, right? They want to know that you have intention, right? That you're not just sending this letter out to every single school that hasn't like gotten back to you yet. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Exactly. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Instagram needs to make it easier to kick people off. It's like four clicks, three clicks. I got to click all around. Anyway, um, (laughs) so if you want to come on live and ask some questions, that is what I would recommend doing. Uh, Back to TikTok, Chris uh, 10 Max says post back back linkage. Um, So I'm not a huge like believer in in linkage programs because I, I think you go to a post back to improve your application. Pooja, did you do any kind of post back work or master's work to improve applications or, or GPA? Or you No, I didn't. I'm currently working right now, but I know a lot of people who yeah. did and it helped them a lot because yeah. if they struggled academically during their undergrad, they were able to improve that to the point where 
their undergrad performance didn't matter as much. They were yep. able to speak to how they improved. Yeah, exactly. Um, so post-bac linkage, basically, for, for people that don't know, is is you go to a post-bac program like, uh, like Columbia or uh, Hopkins has a, a very popular post-bac program. And they will say, hey, we have a linkage program with the Hopkins Medical School or with this medical school or that medical school. And typically what that means is if you get a, a good enough GPA, they, they, they give you the, the stats that you have to be above, um, you're typically assured an interview. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> Thanks for an interview. Um, but in, in my thinking, right, if you're getting great grades anyway, you're probably going to get interviews elsewhere as well. So the, the interview isn't as special to me. An automatic acceptance, on the other hand, like now we're talking, right? If, if, if I can guarantee a certain GPA, a certain MCAT score, then I'm more excited about that uh, to have an automatic acceptance so that the stress of applications and that whole cycle, like where you're at now of like this purgatory of like, I'm waiting to hear, um, just goes away potentially. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it doesn't make sense on hedging your own bets and removing yourself of options by like trying to go to one school to wait for like a linkage, right? Um, If you're going to a program and you're putting that much investment in yourself, you're going to be a strong candidate for other schools that are just as competitive as that one. Yeah, So exactly, exactly. All right, so hopefully that was a good answer for you there, Kristen Mack. Um, A very common question from our our friends up north in Canada, uh, shadowing experiences is is illegal in some of the provinces. And so uh, they're like, how do we get shadowing? (laughs) It's the easy answer. You don't. Um, you just, you just don't in, in Canada, there's, there's less opportunities. So, um, what I've heard Canadians do is, is you go and get a job in a hospital setting and get that networking and exposure to other people. And then usually on, on the download, they'll let you kind of explore and and get the kind of things that you, you want to try to, to do in a clinical setting. Yeah. I also think that in general, when you think about what a clinical ex- like experience is, it's just anything that puts you in a room with patients, right? Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to be shadowing, but you can do that in other capacities. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. There's there's a um, uh, clinical research coordinator position is a very popular position for, for pre-meds. And it sounds like potentially you're doing something similar to that it, involved in research. But a lot of times, and, and I, I have experience, experience with this as a a parent of a kid who's in a a clinical trial is the research coordinators just hang out a lot of the time waiting for the doctors to do their thing and then take us to the next clinical visit, uh, research kind of visit. Uh, And what I tell students they can do on their application in their activity section is if you worked 100 hours in that job, 75% 75% of it might have been the clinical stuff and 25% of it might have been shadowing. You can split it up. It doesn't you, just because you were paid for that time doesn't mean you can't list shadowing on your application because a lot of times there are opportunities where your job you're just shadowing. So you can yeah. split that kind of stuff up. Yeah, I'll I'll say that um one of the experiences that I had sort of 
took up all of my time because it was a dual internship. Mm-hmm. But I didn't just list that as one opportunity, right? I listed the projects that I worked on and the different things I did as separate activities, right? And see, schools seem to be okay with it, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter as long as you have enough to say about each of those things. Yeah. There are no rules, I like to say a lot, when it comes to how you organize and and, uh, split up activities and stuff. Really, the general rule of thumb is post-high school. Hello there. Hello, hello. Hey, I can hear you. Sorry. How are you? I think I have bad signal. Uh Uh-oh. There you go. (laughs) Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, how are you? Good. What can I help you uh, with? What can we help you so with? I actually have probably a pretty simple question. Um, right now, I'm at a community college. It's been a while since I've been in college. So I'm trying to improve my GPA. I plan on transferring to University of Houston to do all my uh, like STEM classes, my, my prereqs for that. Um, my question is, is there anything right now that I should be doing such as like volunteer work, things like that, that would apply later on when I do come to apply to med school because I am actually very close to UTMB's teaching um, college. So, Yeah. What do you think, Pooja? Um, yeah. So I think that any if you have free time and you have flexibility in your schedule, you should 100% take advantage of that, right? Free time as a pre-med student is often a rare commodity, right? So making sure that you take advantage of that time to do other things, right? If you're doing a lot of volunteer work and you love it, continue to do that. Build on that in any way you can. But if that isn't something that you love, try to find something that you're super interested about. I think a lot of people have asked me about, you know, how do I find the right opportunities? And the answer is there is no right opportunity. It's whatever makes your heart sing, right? And that can be different for any person, right? There are a lot of people I know who've been super successful and they did a lot of sports in undergrad, but they loved it and they could talk a lot about that and that helped them be successful. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the the things to think about are typically uh, where red flags are when it comes to an application is a lack of clinical experience, a lack of shadowing, um, making sure that you're you're getting those types of experiences even now. Uh, And I think it's important now because you may hate being in a a clinical setting and you're on this path when when ideally potentially you as a person would be much better doing something else. Uh, And so it it always boggles my brain sometimes when I talk to especially non-trad students who, uh, one that I remember most recently is a lawyer who wants to go back to medical school. And it's just this theoretical thing in his mind. And his first thing that he did was he went and started taking classes again. I'm like, well, no, like you haven't had, you haven't had any clinical experience, go do that first to make sure you like being in a hospital setting. You like taking care of patients uh, before, before you dip your toes into taking classes that maybe are a waste of time in the long run. Yeah. And I did, I did, um, I've worked semi in healthcare. I did like home healthcare for a while. Great. Um, I enjoyed that, but I did, I think that honestly I would be happier more on, um, like a research side of things per se. Um, but I do want to get on, you know, some hands-on experience. And I think being, especially being at a community college right now, I have two children. 
Um, I have my summers available, which is great. Being so close to a teaching hospital, I think it would be a good opportunity, you know, to really get in there and get an idea of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. And kudos to you yeah. for being able to manage everything. It's a lot. It's a lot, but I know this is what I've wanted to do my whole life. I put it off long enough. I'm 27. I know that doesn't sound that old, but for me, <laughs> you know, I, it's not really considered traditional. So, uh, you know, but it's what I've always wanted to do. So I'm, I'm diving in. That's <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Well, good luck. <laughs> Keep going. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Great question. Kylie asks, is there any way to know your position on a wait list? Like if you're in the top 10 spots, you're a bit more likely to make it than if you're in the 50s. Uh, so school dependent. Some schools will rank their wait lists um, and not tell you. Some schools will rank their wait list and tell you where you rank. Uh, and then a lot of schools don't rank uh, their wait list. They just have a pile of people that they are, are constantly reevaluating all the time. So it just depends. It, it doesn't hurt to ask the school um, if they can let you know where you stand on the wait list. What's been the hardest thing for you, Pooja, when it comes to the, the application cycle? Uh, I think the waiting, I think, you know, when I first started, especially the month of August, you know, you want to be one of those people who gears in August. And I was not one of those people. And I kept thinking like, Oh my God, did I mess up in my application somewhere? Mm. Like I reread my application over and over again and there was nothing wrong with it, but I was just like, so in my head about it. Um, so waiting for that first, you know, interview, that period was definitely the hardest. Now it's not as much because it's like, you know what, at least I got something. I have some interview. It was done. I think it went well. It's hope for the best. But um, I think not knowing anything can be really difficult. And to overcome that, I recommend, honestly, just sort of distracting yourself. I feel like when I was waiting for an interview to come, I never got an email. But when I was doing other things, that's when an email popped in my inbox. Yeah. So. <laughs> as soon as you you weren't begging for it, it, it came. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So funny how life works. Uh, Rana on TikTok asks, is 240 hours of shadowing competitive enough? <laughs> 240 hours of shadowing is a ton. Uh, so, so yeah, that's fine. After about 20 hours of shadowing, it's super boring. It's like, oh my God, same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. How did you, do, did you have shadowing that you were able to put on your application? Yeah, I had a little bit of shadowing, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't anything significant. And so in terms of where I allocated it, I sort of looped the shadowing in with my other clinical experience because it was in the same department. Um, And so, yeah, that's how I did it. Did you put shadowing as its own activity or no? I only shadowed like one appointment. So I don't think it really counted as anything. Like I didn't want to put a space in for like... Like uh, an hour, you know, that wouldn't really make sense. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so for everyone watching, even if you shadowed for w- one thing, put it on your application as a separate thing. Cause there are schools out there that will filter you out if you don't have any shadowing on your, on your, uh, um, Ooh, I should have talked to you before I application. submitted my applications, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was listening, I think it was Clubhouse, back when Clubhouse was more popular. Um, there was a, a Harvard uh, student who is, is part of the adcom, and, and she specifically said Harvard will filter out anyone who doesn't have shadowing. Um, so it's very interesting. Interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. Now, 
take it for what it's worth. It's a student and, and maybe she was misinformed, but that's what she said. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Jennifer, hello. I don't have any shadowing because I've been working as a physician assistant for 14 years. Um, yeah, <laughs> get some shadowing. It's just the super common question, specifically, usually nurses will be like, I'm going to medical school. I've been a nurse for eight years. Do I need shadowing? And my answer always is yes, get some, right? A day, right? Just a, just a day to put on your application because working and and being a PA is very similar, much more similar to being a physician than being a nurse. And so maybe you'll, you'll get away with not having any shadowing. Uh, But when I talk to nurses who are going to medical school, the answer is always you work next to the physician when they're by the bedside, but when they leave the bedside and they're going back to their office and they're dealing with insurance companies and dictating and, and doing everything else, that kind of stuff potentially you're not seeing uh, to get a full scope of what that physician's job is. So, uh, again, a, a PA very, very, very similar to to uh, a physician on the day-to-day work. So, uh, But I would still try. Try to get an hour uh, or a day or two in um, every once in a while and that'll be good. Again, if you want to come on live with us, that's the best way to hang out with Pooja and myself um, to to get some great questions. Hi. Hello, hello. Hi. Hey. Um, thank you guys so much for doing this. This is awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I have a question. So I recently found out, I talked to my um, advisor and I found out that I'm going to... Um, do an extra year. So I'm going to be a fifth year instead of a fourth year, which I think is okay because I have more time to understand the process. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to understand now, when should I take the MCAT and um, like what time Mm -hmm. that um, and like between those gap years, because I know there's going to be gap years. Um, Should I do a master's? I do have clinical and um, shadowing experience. So I wanted to see like, what do you guys think is the best option? That's great. Is that a Husky? Yeah. That's oh. what Husky was outside. <laughs> I love Huskies. They're so beautiful. Um, so ideally, when do you want to start medical school? So since I graduate 2023, I want to start medical school as soon as possible. Yeah. I'm 34 now. Yeah. All right. Um, so you graduate your, your fifth year extends you to 2023. So, Mm -hmm. so you're planning on graduating kind of may 2023, um, kind of normal, normal timeline, just a year delayed. So Mm -hmm. ideally you're starting medical school, August, July, August of 2023. So that you don't have to take any more time than that. Correct. Right. I don't have to, right? Yeah, you don't have so to, ideally. the so, so let me rewind. Why are you taking an extra year? Why did your advisor advise that? Um, because math it was really difficult for me to, um, to pass. Okay. Um, I finally passed algebra, and now I'm in pre-algebra. Okay. <laughs> That's the reason. <laughs> okay. Um, so math is a struggle for you. <clears throat> yeah, and that slowed down my whole chem series. Okay. So the the biggest question, and that's good to know, 
the MCAT has prereqs, right? Un- unwritten prereqs of ideally you should have taken these classes so you have the science foundation to take the MCAT to do well on the MCAT. Depending on where you are in your series of, of courses, you might not be ready to take the MCAT in the next three, four, five months, right? So, um, and that's big picture. If you want to start medical school, August of 2023, graduate undergrad May of 2023, you're applying to medical school next cycle, June of 2022, right? Which is right around the corner. And ideally, if you're applying next cycle, you're taking the MCAT kind of January to April of 2022, which is in the blink of an eye, it's here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so my assumption is, based on your timeline of courses, is you're not going to be ready to take the MCAT then. Mm-hmm. So you're probably best case scenario to to set yourself up for success is to take the MCAT January to April 2023, apply to medical school 2023 to start in 2024. Got it. Okay. If that makes sense. Pooja, what do you think about that? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, as someone who delayed my test because I didn't give myself the time I needed to complete the requisite courses. So to give you background, I was going to take it like the fall of my junior year. And then I was like, I haven't taken nearly enough physics to do this. Then I delayed my test, right? to March of 2020. And then it got canceled. Um, So I understand what it's like to not want to delay this process and like, you know, want to keep going, but you're really better off giving yourself the time you need to that come application cycle. You're submitting the best application that you can, right? And you can take this time and don't see it as like waiting until the next chapter. You can do what you can to do like clinical experiences and continue with research and do other things that are relevant to your application now, right? That would be my recommendation. Okay. <clears throat> and yeah, physics. I have to take physics. Okay. Yeah, physics. <laughs> yeah, okay. yes. physics. Physics is a big part of the MCAT. It's really, really stressful, but it's okay, right? At Blueprint, we offer a lot of like materials to help with that. Um, physics was a tough spot for me, but now I really like it. And so if, I think if I can do it, you can do it. Because I didn't have, like, math was also a really struggling topic for me, too. Like, when I first started and I found out that we weren't allowed to use a calculator, I almost cried. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So okay. what what are and you uh, what are you thinking about in terms of MCAT prep? Have you have you checked out Blueprint yet? Have you looked at anybody yet? You're like that's too early. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I looked at Princeton actually. So I go to UCSD and they have a um, MCAT prep test that we oh. can take for free. And I totally bombed it. That's why no, I'm not ready. <laughs> Yeah, but I did really good in the bio. That's I love good. Bio. That's and good. I actually, yeah, I like chemistry. I've taken general chemistry so far, but they won't let me take the rest of the series yet. Yeah. So, I love chemistry. Just math. I just yeah. I, physics. I was like, that looked like Chinese to me. <laughs> <laughs> the physics is definitely rough, but it's okay, right? If that's mm-hmm. like the only topic that you're really struggling with, I would say you're in a good spot. Yeah. Okay. So. What what would it be or how would it sound if uh, Pooja hooked you up with a six-month Blueprint Live Online course? 
Oh my god! You can so you can start studying oh, kind of in a, oh in a few months and get you ready for uh, uh, for the MCAT come beginning of 2023. <clears throat> and one of the the best things about the live online courses is, is um, it's not just sitting and watching videos it's it's attending class live and learning how to integrate that knowledge into the mcat and and potentially for you with the physics and math that may be what what makes or breaks your mcat is being able to to learn how to integrate that information into doing well in the mcat that would be so awesome that's right. exactly what P- i mean puja is going to pay for it so thank you puja <laughs> Thank you, Pooja. Thank you. Guys. <laughs> um, you guys are awesome. Send send me a, a direct message uh, as soon as you get off here, and uh, I'll hook you up with the Blueprint folks. And uh, thank you to Blueprint MCAT for allowing me to give away a course every time we come live with you guys. Oh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. You are welcome. Have a Bless. great day. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. I feel like I feel like Ellen or Oprah in those moments. I'm like, you get a card, you get a card. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, oh my god, he's Ellen. I'm Ellen. I'm Ellen. Here's this big check from Shutterfly. <laughs> <laughs> Is it bad that I know that it's Shutterfly that's always doing the ten thousand dollar checks? I, I watch. I watch a little too much Ellen. No, I think it's great. I it's think good. it makes you cultured. You know. Yeah, I love Ellen. <laughs> um, all right, bring on some more fun people. Um, as a high school student talking on TikTok, does the difficulty of a major have some impact on admissions to medical school? No, almost none. A lot, a lot of engineering students out there are like, but I'm an engineering student. A 3.4 is good. I'm like, eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> What's going on? Hello there. How's it going? It's going. Um, I, I wasn't sure if this was MCAT specific. I know you have blueprint on just anything pre-med really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I will give a quick shout out. I uh, am taking the blueprint course for the MCAT in January, and uh, yeah, it's sick. So uh, you guys should check it out. It's sick. Um, anyways, <laughs> Not COVID sick, uh, but just so just cool sick. I recently talked to. Oh, and by the way, every time somebody else speaks, your mic cuts out, Doctor Gray. So just so you, I'm not like cutting over you on purpose. Okay. Um, but uh, I did have a question concerning uh, volunteering. So I recently did an MI apply with Doctor Wright, and he made some good points um, about volunteering. Um, so I was looking recently for, uh, community volunteering and I came across an interesting one that was, uh, related to, um, action on universal healthcare and and certain aspects of that from a political perspective, they were basically trying to, uh, train and mobilize people, uh, for, uh, things like universal health care or, or treatment for uh, veterans and things like that. Now, is that something that uh, would be a reasonable thing to do as my main volunteering if I think that's important? So I, I think you just answered your own question with that, that end of if I think it's important. At the end of the day, your application should be filled with you, right? The things that you feel are important in this world, not the things that you think medical schools want to see. Yes, you need clinical experience. Yes, you should have some shadowing, ideally, right? They're, they're not hard uh, prereqs, but they're, they're pretty darn hard. Um, you, you potentially want some research, and, and research is one of the most overrated things, I think. Um, but in, in terms of where you're doing your volunteering and another question that came through was like, do I need to get a, a clinical job during a gap year? The answer is like, no, I mean, you should still be doing some clinical stuff, 
But if you want a job in, in something else that's not clinical, either because it pays more and it, it helps cover the bills and pays pays for your life, um, or it's just something you're more interested in at that moment in time, great, go do that and keep your foot in the, the clinical world. So if you yeah. feel it's important, do it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll go ahead. I know. I was gonna say. I'll tell you right now. My gap year job is not clinical. I'm a research fellow with the CDC. I am. I work at home all the time. It is not clinical by any means, but I love it and I love talking about it. And that's what's important, right? The description that you gave us. It's very clear that you care a lot and know a lot about what you would potentially be doing, right? And that is what will make you stand out, right? I think. One thing that I like to think about with the application process is that every school wants a diversity of applicants, not only in you know um, their background, but also in their thought and their experiences. And so if you're doing things that you like, that'll make you unique, right? You're not trying to fill this arbitrary checklist. You're doing the things that you care about and finding ways to integrate that with your medical interests. Mm, perfect. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks, guys. That perfectly answered my question. Awesome. Good luck. Pooja, did did um, did in any of your interviews, did the the work that you're doing with the CDC, did that come up at all? Were people interested in talking to you about it? Oh my god, yeah! There was literally one interviewer who was like, "Give me your evaluation of the CDC's response to the country <laughs> pros and cons." And I was like, "This is a bold question to ask because I'm one who's been there for two months, but I did my best to answer it." I think he liked it. I think whenever you're doing something over your gap year, it's going to come up. So just even if you haven't been doing it for a long time, yeah. stay as informed as you can about it. Um, for me, especially because it's the CDC and it's COVID, it's a hot topic. Everyone wants to ask about it. I was asked about Delta variants also as if I was like the lead researcher on the Delta <laughs> variants, which I'm by any means not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely have been asked about it. Yeah, that's that's uh, very interesting. All right. Yeah, it's cool. Hello, hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited that you picked me to join. What's going on? <laughs> okay, so I am a non-traditional student with who currently has um, a career in marketing. I have a Bachelor of li in Liberal Arts. And my goal is to start medical school fall of 2024 and to take the MCAT in January 23. Um, I'm kind of fuzzy on everything leading up to that point. Um, what I've done this year, just to prove to myself that I really could tackle the harder math and sciences, um, was take some um, classes at the community college. So I, I don't know if I approached this the right way because I took the prerequisite list for medical schools and just started clipping through those courses. So I finished um, general biology one and two, gen chem um, one, and then I'll do two in the spring as the plan. And then physics one and physics two would be in the spring. But I'm wondering now if um, having such a significant number of hours at a community college for those prerequisites is going to be an issue. And I would like to transfer into a four-year um, university to finish them out. But what I'm finding is that a lot of them will only admit me to finish out like a bachelor of sciences. And so it looks like if I did that, I could potentially 
still graduate with a bachelor's degree in biology before I started medical school. Um, but I just don't know, is that the right approach? Am I missing something? Are there other options? What do you think, Pooja? I'm sorry, did you ask what my thoughts were? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I think one of the things I'm going to borrow what Ryan's advice was for another student earlier is, why do you want to go into medicine for marketing? Have you done any clinical experiences? So I've done significant volunteering in like clinical social work. And I feel like I have a really strong story there of why I want to transfer over. Um, what I'm planning to do is finish my certification for EMT basic by end of December and actually start that um, as my full time or like 30 to 40 hours um, a week job in January. So I would have something to help me continue to tell a story and prove that I've had clinical experience. Awesome. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, that was going to be my like first question. Um, but I mean, in terms of your academics, I think that going through that checklist and making sure that you're prioritizing those classes is definitely the best way to go. You would hate to be in a situation where you enroll for another bachelor's degree and then find out three years in that you haven't taken the classes you were supposed to take. So that's really smart. Um, Ryan, I actually want to know your thoughts on the process of like transferring over because I don't know much about that. Yeah, so uh, you're perfectly fine to stay at community college. You already have your, your first degree, right? I do. Yeah. It's not from, the tricky thing is it was a private institution and it's not regionally accredited. It's nationally accredited, yeah. but not regionally. And so that's another layer. I don't know. Does it matter? Does it not? I, I, for, for a weird question like that, I would reach out to a few medical schools and just okay. ask them, ask them what their thoughts are to say, Hey, here's where I went. I have my degree. Um, is, is this school okay for reasons X, Y, or Z? Um, mm-hmm. a, as a non-trad student, you're basically doing a do-it-yourself post-back right now where you just went to community college, you're taking the courses that you need to take. You can stay at community college. There's no need to go to a four-year university, um, oh, assuming okay. the, the community college has the courses that you need. Um if you want to transfer to a four-year university and you're finding that the university local to you is kind of giving you a hard time to say, hey, you, you need to be degree-seeking uh, if we're going to transfer in these credits, guess what? You can drop out, right? There, there's, there's no rule that says you have to finish the degree. Um, you can be like 50% of the students that start college and just drop out anyway. Um, and, and that doesn't look bad or, or you don't have to put that on your application at all. That was like, well, I transferred in as a degree seeking student and then I dropped out after I got all the classes I needed. Like that, that's not a thing. A lot of students do it um, at, at four-year universities. They'll, they'll declare a major so that they get extra benefits when it comes to registering for classes. They, they are higher up in the priority list than the non-degree seeking student just trying to take classes. Um. So there's there's no right way to do it. It sounds like you're doing great. If if you're comfortable at the community college and it fits with your schedule, keep doing it. That's great. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's helpful to hear. You yeah. also have an amazing plan and it seems like you think really far ahead, which is a good thing, and it'll serve you well in med school when you end up there. So keep it up. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Gray. I've been binging your podcast and signed into MAP and <laughs> I'm trying to take nice. advantage of all of your resources. Nice. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm glad you, you found us and uh, are, are taking advantage and hopefully they're helping. Yes.
Thank you so much. Have a good day. All right. You too. All right. Uh, we still have time for a couple more questions. If you want to come on, uh, click that little button and uh, little camera button. Come on live with us. Um, so, what is what what does the future hold for you, Pooja? What are you what are you interested in potentially for your specialty in the future? Yeah, I am super interested in pediatric neurology, um, which is super niche. I know. Um, definitely yeah. think it could totally change, but yeah. I've had a lot of experiences with um, children with disabilities and developmental delays in undergrad and like even in my earlier life. So it's something that I'm super interested in. And as I've gotten more exposure to it, I've really liked it. So yeah. that's where I'm hoping to continue. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I, I mentioned earlier, my my experience as a parent uh, in, in clinical research, uh, we, we hang out with the PD neurologists all the time, because uh, that's, that's oh, okay. uh, the stuff that we're dealing with. So um, awesome. Awesome. Uh, Lassa asks, can I get Pooja's info to ask how she overcame her math challenges? You want to give a, a one minute spiel on how you overcame your math challenges? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things to do is look up like the common math type problems, right? Like adding, dividing exponents, multiplication, division, logarithms, and literally like Googling those problems. It'll be like, a seventh grade website, which will make you feel bad inside, <laughs> but it will help you. Right. Um, and for me, that was really important, like developing that solid math foundation. Yeah. Um, and then I did a lot more like math problems and thinking about, okay, like, you know, the MCAT is multiple choice, so you don't need to do exact math all the time. And so figuring out ways that I could start estimating, right. And realizing like, okay, well, obviously the number isn't going to be like a hundred right? If it's, if everything is in units of 10 to the negative 11, right? So being mindful of those types of things and creating strategies for yourself to reduce the amount of math you have to do, right? I think those two things were really important for me for helping out. And um, in the class that I, classes that I teach, whenever we do math problems, I always do my best to tell people about those things because I know that the math can be really intimidating. Um, But there's a lot less like math on the MCAT than you initially think. Yeah. So, uh, I, I have a friend, Leia, um, she runs a YouTube channel, Leia for Psy. Um, it's, it's, uh, L E A H the number four and then S C I like science. Um, and she has a math for the MCAT. Uh, I don't know if it's a series or just one or two videos, whatever it is. Um, but lots of people have, have given me feedback that that's really helped them. So really break down how to go back to the basics, really, which is what you're, you're mentioning, right? It's a seventh grade website and it's going to make you feel bad. That's what you need, right? Just, just super basics. I think we, uh, as pre-meds and humans in general, try to overcomplicate things. Uh, and it's like, well, I learned this fancy trick in calculus. I'm like, the MCAT doesn't care about that fancy trick in calculus. Just, <laughs> just understand the basics. So, all right. Um, more request if you want to come on live there's nobody here uh that is requested to come on live so hit that little camera button and we can bring you on uh let's see do, 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 do. yeah leo force is really cool i didn't know you guys are friends i mean i guess it makes sense that you guys are friends but that's cool <laughs> yeah i'm friends with everyone i, I like people it's- Sometimes <laughs> even, even like, like it, people who are like my competitors in the field, uh, um, other people that do very similar things to me. I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm friends with lots of them. <laughs> like I have phone calls yeah. with them and we we're like, what are you doing? What am I doing? And we just like, I, I, I live and breathe uh, as much as I can the whole collaboration, not competition um, uh, mindset. So yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, I just met you and I, I would like to think that we could be friends, you know, I we are friends now. <laughs> Uh, we are definitely friends now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, philosophics. Uh, when will I be uploading application renovation videos again? So I'm in the middle of recording mission accepted videos. And then come end of January, February, I'll be uh, recording more application renovation. So ideally, uh, we, we've the YouTube this year has kind of uh, had lots of issues with just scheduling and, and had some, some staffing issues on my teams. Um, uh, ideally what we're doing is kind of, uh, recording so that half the year what's going out is mission accepted and half the year what's going out is application renovation. That's the ideal scenario. (laughs) doesn't always work that way. All right. Um, if you want to come on and ask a question, cl- click that little camera button. Uh, that's the best way to come on, ask a question. If nobody clicks that button, I will. Uh, we can say goodbye now. You see any, any good David questions? Adrian Raldo has a question. Uh, yeah. About map, but I don't know if he wants to come on. <laughs> they want to come on. That could be helpful. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Let's see. Uh, anyone on TikTok want to come on? Do med schools view kinesiology as a soft major? Is this a myth? No, that was my major, exercise physiology. Yeah, I did human physiology. So, yeah, I mean it's better than canine physiology. <laughs> <laughs> um, hello, David. Oh, hello, long time map guy here. Hello. Uh, I have now put everything into maps. I'm getting my application ready. I feel like I want to press the launch button and just go. All right. This rocket's not ready because I am looking at all the schools I could potentially apply to, but it's a little overwhelming. Mm. I, I, I just, I had these prerequisite classes, but now I have to go through each school in the whole United States to find out which schools fit this algorithm. How can I just narrow it down? Because I'm going crazy. Yeah. I'm a non-trad, and I just just give me all the schools I can apply to, and I'll apply to all of those. Yeah. Uh, I ideally that that's the future of maps. We're actually like literally right now um, in the process. We we had uh, a team member go through all the medical schools and find all of the prereqs that the school has listed. And now we have to convert it into a format that we can put into our, our maps database so that when you add a school to your mapped school list, uh, we can go, uh Oh, like you're missing stats or anatomy and physiology, that kind of stuff. Um, that that's the future of mapped. I, I think for your situation, I think you're probably making a bigger deal of it than it really is. The far majority of schools have 
all of the same basic prereqs, right? One year of Gen Chem, one year of Gen Bio, one year Orgo, one semester of Biochem, one year of English, one year of Physics, right? That's the basic. And the year of English is a little fuzzy. Um, there are random prereqs at some schools like stats, like anatomy, physiology. Um, and, and so I think what you should do is, is add all the schools to your list that you want to go to. And then as you're working on your applications, like every day, just go through two or three schools, um, typically through the MSAR. That's probably the best bet for MD schools. And and just look what their prereqs are and see if you're missing anything. And if you are, either email them and say, hey, is this is this a hard, <laughs> a hard prereq? I, I have this yeah. other class potentially that will substitute and see what they say. Because uh, a lot of times... They're, they're flexible. Um, and if they're not, then you just take them off their list or figure out a way to take the class before you matriculate. Now, remember, for almost every school out there, the prereqs that they have are prereqs before starting med school, not before applying to med school. So if there's one school on there that has this random prereq and you're like, there's no way I can get that in before applying that's okay. Still apply to the school and then figure out a way to squeeze in the class before starting med school. Yeah. I would also add that that experience of going crazy because you have to look up the requirements for every single school. That's not an isolated experience. I had to figure that out when I was looking at my own recommendation letters because I had a couple more letters that I wanted to prioritize over a letter from a humanities professor. And so I had to look into every single school that I was applying to, to figure out what combination of letters I was supposed to send. Right. And it can feel super maddening, but I think following Ryan's advice and like looking at the schools that you want to apply to and see if what you have fits that is a lot better than the other way around. Right. Because you also like, you're not going to apply to hundred schools because that yeah. costs thousands of dollars. And when you get those secondaries, you're not going to have time to write all of them. Right. Yeah. So, so once I put everything into AMCAS or my letters of recommendations get sent in and it, this is not going to happen. And also this is not going to happen for any of your viewers, but let's just hypothetically say I have to reapply, which won't happen, but uh, will I have to ask my letter recommendation people to resubmit another letter recommendation for the following year or will it carry over? I, ideally, your letters of recommendations are dated the year of your application. Mm -hmm. Also, because like you would want them to capture the most you know recent version of yourself, right? If you have more experiences with them or whatever it may be, it, they may benefit from rewriting it and resubmitting it. Um, most recommenders that I've encountered who've had to rewrite it are more than happy to do it. In fact, they're like anything that you need will support you, right? Those are the type of people you want in your corner anyways. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's a huge deal. I think asking them again and telling them like, I'm as disappointed in this as you are, whatever the case may be, like it's, it'll be fine. I wouldn't yeah. be too concerned. What happens? So this is a hypothetical. So my ask one quick question. Mm -hmm. So n now and every summer or or weekend or break, I have this constant feeling of, I have something due. I have something due. Am I doing, is there something due? How do you get over the fact that, yes, there is something due, but you don't allow that to consume you? And yes, you, there's just check boxes, but there isn't check boxes. You should be enjoying the process. But it's this constant feeling of, I know I have everything. I'm, I'm doing everything that I 
can possibly do within my resources and time, but still feeling like I have to do something else. I have to do something else. I'm going crazy. Welcome to the pre-med environment, my guy. Oh, Everyone feels that way. It is so common to feel that way. Even if you're not in school, I'm not in school right now. I don't have anything to do, but I still feel that way. Right. And the point is like, you just have to, you know, if you have certain things going on, like applications and stuff, for me, what's helped is writing all of those deadlines on a spreadsheet or something. And so that every time I feel that way, I can look to that database that I've created for myself and realize like, okay, okay. I don't have anything to do where it's not that big of a deal. Um, and also giving yourself rest days, I think is really important. Huh? Like a rest day, just like once a week, just, rest. yeah, rest. I mean, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds crazy. <laughs> but, oh, sorry, that was, <laughs> I heard- um, Oh, you were really different. I'm so sorry. But yeah, like rest days, I think will be super important um, just to maintain your own mental health and make sure you don't burn out. Because I think that even if you're applying and not necessarily studying, that's still a mentally taxing process. So yeah. giving yourself breaks to reward yourself and, you know, take time to take care of yourself is going to be really important. So make sure you do that. That's hard. It is hard, but you have to force yourself to do it. See it as a thing to do. Okay. We trust you. It's our homework. Yeah. I'm- Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, thanks, you guys. It, it sounds no super counterintuitive, right? To like rest, right? You're talking about rest. But I think most people understand that uh, using a marathon analogy, that even like the most elite marathon runners build rest into their training schedule because you have to, uh, mm-hmm. it's just impossible not to. Uh, and so I think we, and I don't know if it's a, an American culture thing where we're just always go, 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 um, uh, versus other, other parts of the world where it's like, Hey, we're taking August off, right? There's just no business happening in August, uh, because we're going to go take care of ourselves during summer. And all of the employees go to the, the, the beach and, and go hang out for, for the summer. Um, that's normal in other cultures. In our culture, it's like, you want a day off? What? You can't have that. <laughs> like, no, you need to yeah, work. Like you have to be sick to have a day off. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're a doctor, you're not allowed to be a sick because you got patients to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, it's crazy. Um, so, yeah. So it's it's a it's a problem that we have in our culture. And uh, and that's why I like using the marathon analogy, because usually people go, well, that that makes sense. And, and elite athletes taking time like, OK, I guess I can take some time, too. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. I really like that. Well, Pooja, um, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom, opening up your wallet to give people uh, some Blueprint MCAT uh, live online courses. That was very kind of you. If uh, if you want to go hang out with Pooja some more, go to blueprintmcat.com and uh, see when she's taking t- or teaching some classes. When when are you teaching class next? You know? Yeah, um, I'm teaching a class right now. I have another one starting in about a week on November 12th. Um, that's going to go on for a couple of months. And I'm teaching another class that's going to be starting um, in December. December 26th, I think is the exact date. All right. All right. Well, good luck to you and your application journey. Hopefully the uh, crickets start chirping soon. Thank you. And thank you for coming on, sharing your wisdom. Yeah. Thank you. This was great. I'd love to do it again. Yes. Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye. 
All right, there you have it. Again, that was Pooja from the Blueprint MCAT Live online course. If you want to go check it out, go to blueprintmcat.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.